0: Okay, so I want everyone to turn, please, to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4. I'm just going to read a couple verses before we come to some introductory comments here. But Ephesians 4, look at verse 1. So here Paul says there, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so in verse 1 there he says, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. That word vocation really is also the word call or calling. Walk worthy of the calling wherewith ye are called. It's not vocation in the sense of you're a plumber or you're an electrician or you're an accountant. It's the calling that you have been called to by God. So really it is... Just cutting to the chase. Speaking of our elected calling uh, to the gospel, Paul says that you walk worthy of this calling. And then if you look over at chapter 5, Paul there says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then he goes on to list things that we are not to pursue, and a little list there from verse 3 on. So what I want to do for the next several months, probably at least through Christmas we might spill over into the new year, is begin a study on the overall subject of walking with God. This is not really in my, I'm I'm finished with the what does it mean series of things, but we are looking at this from the perspective of what does it mean to walk with God? Uh, What does it look like? Uh, What what does the Bible have to say about this? Uh, If you're interested to kind of follow along with me or to jump ahead of me, uh, in being prepared week by week, I am following basically the structure and the framework of a book by the uh, by a guy named Henry Scudder. Stuttered. Henry's, oh my, I should know Henry Scudder, S C U D D E R, Henry Scudder. I, I think that's right. Henry Scudder. I think he's a Puritan. Not positive about that. The book's really old, so he like lived during the Puritan time, so. Sure, he's a Puritan, whatever, who knows. Um, But the book is called The Christian's Daily Walk. I would encourage you to read it if you never have. Uh, It is quite excellent. It was one that for me, uh, back during Bob Jones' college days, was pretty influential, very helpful to me at that particular time. And so he gets down into the nitty-gritty of life. In, in this book, some very practical, um, very down-to-earth things that we're going to explore. And so what does it mean to walk with God? And so his book is really my structure, my framework. Um, I'm, I'm going to try not to just directly and outright plagiarize and you know, quote directly as if it was me saying it. If it's a quotation, I will try to let you know. Please don't hold me to that. Uh, so, just full disclosure and full caveat: I'm not as smart as I may sound uh, <laughs> because my thoughts are from him. So, uh, be that as it may. But let's jump into this. So, we've read this in Ephesians. The, these are some kind of framework verses. If you were here at the the you men guys that were at the men's prayer breakfast. Uh, I read from Second Thessalonians 4, no, First Thessalonians 4. Uh, in, in that passage, it speaks of our walk with the Lord. Man's happiness comes from pursuing his chief end. So this is where we started our whole time together, looking at that catechism question. What is man's chief end? Well, it is to glorify God, and it is to enjoy Him forever. That is where our happiness comes from. You might be familiar with John Piper's slight little shift on the answer to that catechism question. John Piper changes that just slightly and he says man's chief end is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And It's just a subtle little shift of language there, but he's emphasizing an important point. How is it that we glorify God? How is it that we pursue the chief end of our life? Well, we enjoy God. Well, how do we enjoy Him but to fellowship with Him, to walk with Him, to be near to Him? And so one of the the primary ways that we pursue this happiness of life is by walking with the Lord. And if you look in the scriptures, other than walking, let's get some feedback here, other than walking, what are ways that the Bible would describe the, the process of the Christian life? Paul uses some different illustrations, he uses some different metaphors, what are some of them? A race, okay, so that is not so much walking as it is running. I mentioned in the men's prayer breakfast that there is speed walking, but that looks ridiculous, so don't ever do that. It's the goofiest looking thing. Okay, so a race, so that's another metaphor. What else? There's some others. A fight, right, a fight. So a fight, a boxing match, really is the idea there. A fight is something that doesn't last for a long, long time. I mean, there's different rounds or whatever, but a, a fight starts and it's over relatively soon. A race, other than a marathon in, in the Christian life's race, would be much more akin to a marathon. But even a marathon, I mean, doesn't last that long. It, it It's over and, I mean, I guess it depends on how fit you are if you're Kipchoge, you can do it in two hours. If you're not, you do it in a lot longer time than that. But the point is that walking is something that really basically all of us here could do. If I started, even in my shape, if I started walking right now, I could walk till dark and not stop. I could do that. And and basically... You can do that. You can start walking and and walk till dark and not stop walking. Unless you're going uphill. That might slow you down a little bit, but you get the point. Now, if I were to start running, we would have a different situation. You run for a little while, but not nearly as long as I can walk. If we started fighting, I would knock you out. But you might knock me out and we'd be done. Our our fight would be would be finished. Walking is not really all that spectacular. It's not really all that sensational. To be honest, it's rather boring. To walk is is really just the process of putting one step, one foot in front of the other foot and making progress toward your destination. Nothing fancy about it there 's nothing spectacular there 's nothing sensational it 's really not all that exciting at all. It really is quite methodical and so most of you have been on a hike um, last year, a youth group and folks from greenville and, and other places came and we did a twelve mile hike up in virginia and that twelve mile hike is quite strenuous. And me, when I get toward the end of that, and you've got, you know, three or four miles to go, the last three or four miles of that hike is an old logging road that's kind of graded downhill a little bit. So it's far easier than the rest of it. But you get to a point to where you're just finished with this. I'm just ready to get to the car. But you just put one foot in front of the next foot and you just keep going. And it it becomes methodical. It becomes difficult, but yet you can still go. You can still make that progress. And so walking really just represents that methodical process of getting from one place to the other place. Now, even on a hike like that, even on a walk like that, there might be a portion of it that you would run. There might be a portion where you might break into a jog to catch up with the person in front of you. But that jog, that running is not sustainable. But the walking is sustainable. The step-by-step, mundane, pressing on to the celestial city is something that's doable. And it's what the Lord has called us to do. It really is the way of the Christian. I know most of you have seen the Mandalorian, right? This is the way. It just, you walk. This is the way. You go one step in front of the next step. It is the way of the Christian. It's how we live. No man really is at home in this earth. He's headed to one of two places. And so every man is walking. So the Bible, when it talks about conversion, turning to the Lord... In the Old Testament, there are various Hebrew verbs that mean to turn. The the Hebrew verb that is used for turning to the Lord in the conversion sense of turning to the Lord is really a word that would indicate to us an about face. A person is headed in one direction, they stop, they turn 180 degrees around, and they go back away from where they were headed. And so they were headed for destruction. They were headed for hell. They were walking to hell. And in regeneration, the Holy Spirit changes us. We are converted. There's faith and repentance. We'll get to in just a moment. There's faith and repentance on about face, and you start walking in a different direction. Now, every man is walking in one of two directions. There really is a sense in which... No one is just walking haphazardly, just randomly. You're either walking to hell or you're walking to heaven. And the Bible describes this. Look up a few verses here. We're going to turn to some few verses. Uh, I'm going to read these to you. But consider Abraham for a moment. Abraham in Hebrews 11, verse 10. It speaks of Abraham understanding that this life, this earth was not it. This was not the thing that he was after. This was not the thing that he was pursuing. And so Hebrews 11.10 says, That Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, that wasn't Canaan. That was something better, something bigger than Canaan. In verse number 16 of Hebrews 11, says, but now they desire a better country, that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath given them a city. And again, that's something more than Canaan. Abraham, with the eye of faith, realized that this earth was not his home. He was headed someplace better. He was was walking to someplace different. And so, Ephesians 4, we... Read here in Ephesians, opening here, Ephesians 4, verse 17, describes the ungodly, and they're walking in a different direction. They're walking according to their own desires, and because of that, they are alienated from God. And so Ephesians 4, 17 says, This I say, therefore, and testify on the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And so here it describes the ungodly. They're also walking in a particular direction. They're walking to destruction. And Paul here specifically admonishes us as believers Not to walk that way. Don't walk according to their pattern. Walk in a different way. These that are ungodly, they're not looking for a better country. They're looking to fulfill their own pleasures, their own desires. All the time, in their ignorance, they are headed to destruction. That's part of evangelism, is seeking to hold up the warning sign. Flee from the wrath to come. You're headed to destruction. Christ is the way of salvation. And so walking with God is the way of the Christian. It's the way of the believer. And when you walk with God, you align yourself with a great cloud of witnesses that walked with the Lord. Like I say, this is the way of the Christian life. And so let's look at a few examples. These are going to be very familiar. But look, for example, uh, in Genesis 5, verse 22. Uh, about Enoch this is the first one in scripture where it said specifically of him that he walked with God Genesis 5 22 and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Uh, we don't read of Enoch's death, his, his his physical death in this earth. He walked with God, and God took him. We don't know exactly what happened there, but he he just kept walking up, I guess. I, I don't know. He just but he 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 just walked away, walked right right on into the presence of God. But he was a man who walked with God. Hebrews 11 says of him that by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. So one day Enoch disappeared. One day Enoch left home. I don't know what he did, but one day Enoch was gone. They didn't know where he went. Because God translated him. God took him to heaven. For before his translation, he had this testimony. That he pleased God. And so we have to make the connection here that walking with God is pleasing to God. You have to make that connection with these two verses of Scripture. Enoch walked with God. God took him. Enoch's walk with God was pleasing to the Lord. Then you have Noah, Genesis 6 and verse 9... It says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah, of all the humans on the planet, Noah is the one who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a man who walked with God. He was in tune with the Lord. Job 1, now the word walk isn't here, but when we come to understand what it means to walk with the Lord, then we understand from what it says about Job that he was obviously a man who did. So Job one one says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and he was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. To fear God and to eschew evil is the result of one who walks with God. And we'll see that in just a moment when we... Uh, come to some foundational pillars of walking with God later on. David, now this verse in 1 Kings 9 and verse 4 that I have in your notes is actually not the Lord speaking to David, but it's the Lord speaking to Solomon about David. And he says here, and if the Lord speaking to Solomon says, and if thou wilt walk before me as or like David thy father walked, in the integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee and will keep my statutes and judgments etc but there it, it speaks of David was one who walked with the Lord he walked in an uprightness of heart he walked in I'm sorry in an integrity of heart and in uprightness David walked with the Lord Zacharias and Elizabeth in the New Testament, Luke 1, verse 6, they were both righteous before God and walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were blameless. They walked with God. And God chose them out to be the parents of John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Christ. And then you just look at a general testimony of the church from the very beginning. The church from the very beginning was known as a group of believers that walked with God. Acts 9 verse 31 says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And so I say to walk with the Lord puts you in line with a host of believers from the past. It puts you in the multitude of witnesses that followed the Lord. They walked with they walked with God. And so I want to finish up this morning with four foundational pillars of walking with the Lord. So with these we have we have these four. The first one, faith and repentance. Now, it might seem a strange place to start, but if you remember our lesson through uh, the gospel of your salvation, uh, we went through parts of what we refer to as the Ordo Salutis. Faith and repentance are often referred to as two sides of the same coin. And what is that coin? Does anybody remember what this is? Faith and repentance are two simultaneous aspects of another theological term. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No. Starts with a C. Conversion. There you go. It's, it's two sides of the conversion coin. Conversion happens. So regeneration is the Holy Spirit's work in the heart of the believer Creating faith and repentance, the regenerated person exercises faith and repentance and is converted. It's all technical, but it's, it's a logical order of events. But faith and repentance is our conversion. Th- these are necessary aspects. And because we're naturally depraved, we're naturally the enemies of God We have to have this divine work of grace done to us, regeneration. We have to have that done. And so God, by His Spirit, regenerates the dead heart. He creates faith and the repentance. And these are the basic elements of true conversion. You have to have that. And so you cannot walk with God without being converted, without being born again. If you've never been born again, if you've never been converted to Christ, if your heart has never been regenerated... You really cannot walk with God. You can be a false professor. You can claim to walk with God. But if you're not converted, God is not walking with you. And if God is not walking with you, then you are not walking with God. God walks with those who are born again. And those who are born again walk with God. And so that's why I say this is, this is a foundational pillar of what it is to walk with God. You must be born again. You must be converted. And so Hebrews 6 identifies faith and repentance, repentance toward God, as really part of the foundation of what true religion is. So let's turn that verse up, Hebrews 6 and verse number 1. Hebrews 6, 1. So it says here, therefore, sorry, I wait till I don't hear pages turn anymore. Hebrews 6 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And so, This verse can get complicated and I think can get misunderstood. So let's make sure we understand what what Paul is talking about here in Hebrews. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, completeness. Let us climb higher. Let us go to more. Not laying again over and over the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And so what I'm, what I'm saying from this verse is repentance and faith is foundational in the sense that it is assumed of the Christian. If you're a believer, if you're born again, then you walk, in, you walk with faith toward God and you walk a life of repentance. You, you are one who keeps short's account with God. You are convicted of your sin. You repent of that sin. You repent daily momently of your sins. You you repent, and you walk by faith. And so that's assumed. Now, what Paul is saying in this verse, Paul is saying that one who walks with God is going to higher levels of maturity and is not still working on foundational principles. Now, don't misunderstand that. Because Peter, remember, Peter says that it's profitable that he preaches these things over and over, though ye know them. So don't, don't miss what I'm saying. I'm not saying what some people do believe, that the gospel is just what gets you saved, and now we need to go on to other more important stuff. That's wrong. That, that's not at all what I'm trying to communicate. What I'm, what I'm trying to communicate is that for the one who is walking with the Lord, you have a foundation and you move on from that. So if I can illustrate it with building a house because houses have foundations, you lay the foundation first. It is rather ridiculous and rather out of order to start building walls When you have no foundation. You don't start cutting rafters. You don't start installing shingles. You don't start hanging drywall without a foundation. You have to have a foundation. And so you build the foundation. The foundation is there. And then you move on. You move on to other things. Other necessary parts of the structure. Other necessary parts of the Christian life. To use our metaphor here. Now, that's not to say that you never go back and inspect the foundation. You would be foolish to never go back and inspect the foundation. And so even in the process of building the home, and even in the process of the drywall is being put in, the paint is going on the wall, then it's still prudent from time to time to go examine the foundation and make sure everything's good. Because, I don't know about your home, but if you live in a home for any length of time, sometimes foundations can get cracks in them. Sometimes things can happen to the foundation, and what do you do? You ignore it to your financial peril. You have to go back, and if you see something wrong with the foundation, you have to address it. You have to to fix it you have to shore it up sometimes you have to redo that part now we're not redoing our conversion obviously but i think you i think you understand the point here paul is saying you lay a foundation and you move on not that you never think about it but there's other things there's other parts of the christian life it is the immature christian that for all of his christian life is still living just among the foundation never moves on from that. And so what Paul is saying here is we move on from that as we walk with the Lord, we're we're going to higher ground. We're not staying down in the foundation the whole time. The second one, the second foundational principle is to follow God's revealed will. Now, God has revealed his will. He's not revealed all of his will. We this is another Sunday school lesson, but we sometimes talk about God's revealed will and God's secret will. And so, when will the Lord return? I don't know. That's part of God's secret will. Now, part of His revealed will is that He will return, but His secret will is when He will return. So, there's a difference there. He's not revealed all that to us, but He has revealed to us what is necessary us to know and so he has revealed his will more specifically he has revealed his will in the moral law he's revealed his will in those 10 commandments and he'll never lead us to do anything that is contrary to that revealed will and so i put an example in your notes here um i mean how many we could have A bajillion examples, I guess, but this hopefully simple example. Let's say you're at a crossroads with a particular decision about your job. And you've you've got, you know, you're looking for a new job. And you have have two different jobs in front of you. And the pay is basically the same. The commute is basically the same. The ins and outs of it, the 401k, all that, whatever, basically the same. One job requires you to work on Sunday. One job doesn't require you to work on Sunday. Well, there's a sense in which we can say uh, one who walks with God and is attuned to God's revealed will, God has already made that decision for you because he said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so if I'm faced with these two things, this requires me to forsake the Sabbath day. This doesn't require me to forsake the Sabbath day Decisions made, right? We're, that's an easy decision to make. It ought to be an easy decision for the Christian to make. Because one who walks with God has really a very clear path set before him or her for basically every area of life. And so I've tried to illustrate it for you here. You can kind of follow along if your notes in your notes if you want. The God that you serve is settled. If you're you're walking with God, you don't have to to try to guess, well, which God should I worship? No, that's settled for you. The way that you worship God has already been revealed to you in the Scriptures. Thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven image. We're not to have aids and helps. We're not to, to worship God according to our own understanding, our own imagination, our own wills. The way that we worship has already been established. The way that we think about God, the, the holiness and the reverence and the worth that we, we bequeath to him, we, we show him, we give to him, is established. We don't count him lightly. We don't, we don't take his name in vain. We don't treat him as if he's not important. Our time requirements have already been decided. Six days you work, and one day's the Lord's. The Lord's already laid this path of life out before us as we walk with him. The honor and the respect that you show authority, that's already been decided for you. God has already dictated how how you are to honor and respect authority. The love and the help that you give to other people, the, the protection that you try to render to your neighbor, and the way that you seek to protect yourself, your own welfare, the Lord has already laid that out. He's told you, don't hurt people, don't kill, don't do what injures another protect life the matter of your personal purity that's not confusing to someone who walks with God that's already been laid out don't commit adultery be chaste the matter of personal private property your work ethic is all wrapped up in thou shalt not steal and so God has has laid that path of your life out very plainly for you as you walk with the Lord The the truthfulness of your words should reflect the very character of God. God does not lie. If you're walking with God, then you shouldn't either. Your yea should be yea, your nay, nay, and and you're honest and forthright and truthful. And then your heart's affection, your desires, the, the things that you love, the things that you want. God has already told you. He's already made that pathway, as it were, clear as you walk with him. And so the the moral law, in a sense, acts as a fence on one side and the other, keeping us in the pathway that the Lord would have us. To get off of the Lord's pathway, to walk contrary to the will of God, requires you to break one of those commandments. You have to get outside the fence. to to leave walking with the Lord. And if you're walking with God, then you're mindful and you're conscious of God's pathway, God's regulations on you, what he requires of you as you walk with him. Third, you follow the spirit and not the flesh. Now, all this about walking with the Lord and all this about the moral law and, and and that being clearly laid out, let's be honest with one another. There's times when God's will in a certain matter is not quite as plain as you wished it to be. You wish God would give you a first and second, where should I go to college? You know, you wish there was a book of the Bible that you could turn up that's, you know, who should I marry? Chapter one, verse one, right? You you, you wish that that. In some of these things, God will was, was more plain, more pedantic, more straightforward. And in those times, you have the moral law to guide you. But when you're faced with a situation where choice A or choice B, from everything that you can discern and everything that wise counsel has helped you discern, you're not breaking any of those commandments. But is it A or B? Do I live on Elm Street or do I live on Oak Street? Which house should I buy? Which, the, the illustration I used in the thing here is, which college should I go to? Do I go to this one? Do I go to that one? Well, what are the parameters? How, how can I know that I'm walking with the Lord and I'm making the right decision? Now, some people get paralysis of analysis and have a di- very difficult time with choices like this. But you seek wise counsel and you seek the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide you into those and you weigh the various scenarios right, of, of how things should play out. And when you walk with God you learn more and more about the propensity of your own sinful flesh. You you learn those propensities. As as you walk with the Lord, as you commune with Him through His Spirit, His Spirit reveals to you your tendencies, your sinful fleshly tendencies. And so Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And then the last one, just to wrap up here this morning. Be conscious of the presence of God in every action. And what this amounts to really is just the fear of the Lord. Be conscious of the presence of God in, in every action. The fear of the Lord is to live in the constant awareness of God, knowing that God sees all, hears all, And knows every thought of the mind and heart. It's so easy for us to fool our friends. It is so easy for us to fool our family. And sadly, it's so easy for us even to fool ourselves. But God knows, God sees, God knows your motives. He knows your heart. He knows your desires. He knows the secret inclinations. He sees all. He hears all. He knows. And to walk with God is to be conscious of the fact that God knows everything. There are are sins that you commit that if somebody in this room was with you when you did them, you would never do them. You would never do it. If any one of us here was with you, you would never do it. But yet you do it. But yet God is there. If you're truly walking with the Lord, God is there. And so you wouldn't do it in front of me. You wouldn't do it in front of whoever. But our sinfulness is such that we're, we're willing to do it in front of God. But if you walk with the Lord and you're conscious of that all the time that He is there, He knows, then again that keeps you in that narrow path. This was David's attitude. Psalm 16.8 I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand I shall not be moved. Because the Lord is with me, the Lord is there it's not going to be moved into sin he's not going to actively pursue that that is contrary to the lord's way the lord is there always before him it is to live as moses lived in the fear of the lord hebrews eleven twenty seven. by faith moses forsook egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible you see, Moses, walking in the fear of the Lord, he was, following, he was following God. Though he couldn't see God with his physical eyes, he knew God was there. He knew the presence of God day by day as he followed him. It is to understand what Paul understood in that everything he did is in the sight of God. 2 Corinthians 2.17 For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we of, in Christ. Paul knew that his ministry was, was before the Lord. The Lord saw everything that he did. And for, for you to walk with God is to walk in a way understanding and knowing that God sees all so may the lord help us may the lord bless this and then uh, next week we'll continue on through this series but let's close in prayer now let's finish up our father we do thank you for your word and the way that you lead us by your word you have communicated to us clearly what you desire from us and we pray for a greater and more consistent heart to follow you We pray that you'll bless our worship service to follow. Bless Pastor Kimbrough as he preaches. Pray that you'll help us in our singing. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.